Hi, welcome everyone to another episode of Talk Your Thought by Katsuragi. Today, I am going to have another or a new book for you in the Read With Me series, Why This for Magic by Laurie Farias Delars. This is actually a mystery novel about high school students, I think. 17 years old are high school students. Yes, right. Senior year. But anyway, before I get right into that, um, this is actually a five-year-old tenant in my bookshelf i bought this back in 2015 december 8 to be exact and for some reason i just did not get into reading this until now so yeah i just want that out of the way just to let you know that i did not buy a new book again trying to justify myself but anyway um this is about stacy brown who is a 17 year old student who has been having nightmares about um, people who have been brutally murdered and she is in no way connected to them well as far as the teaser is concerned and then she encountered Jacob who is claiming that he knows how she's going to die because he's been dreaming about her death for months now and he said that it was his main reason why he started looking for her and transfer it to her school in order to stop that killer and so with that situation going on Stacy is having um, relationship problems with her boyfriend apparently and this does look like something that would bring them together uh, bring them closer together because one is claiming to be her knight in shining armor and the other ones like just you know we don't know the problem just yet but for me it's really quite unrealistic <laughs> that uh, it's it's that it's the case unless there is going to be some circumstance here that would naturally bring them together and not just jacob telling her that i will i will be saving you from that killer and so on take note they are 17 year old 17 year old students so yeah there's just I feel like there's just some some limitations as, as to what they can actually do and what their minds can comprehend with all of the situation especially this one's not uh, quite out of the ordinary all right so the main questions here would be if she should actually trust jacob who claims to to be help to help her to be helping her or whether or not if it if their dreams are going to actually come true and they will be overcoming it together so those are the questions that we are going to answer as we go along the series of the white is for magic it's happening again the bile at the back of my throat burns I swallow it down and wipe my bottom lip. My head feels like it's cracking open. Like an archaeologist is trapped inside, chipping away at the bones of my skull. I lean back against the cold ceramic wall tiles and try to hold it all together. The puking, the headaches, the nightmares, my sanity. My world is falling apart. I stand up from the toilet and stumble over to the mirror. My eyes are red, the skin beneath them a dark smoky color. I re-knot my hair with a rubber band, noticing my chin. Wet from puke spooge, I wipe the goo with my fingers as best I can and tuck the stray strands of dark hair behind my ears.
what I really need right now is a hot bath. But the knocking in my head is so intense, I want nothing more than to just lie down. After a thorough toothbrushing and several gargles of mouthwash, I stagger my way back through the common room and into the room. Drea and Amber, my roommates, are asleep. I know I could wake them up, that they'd want to know what's going on, especially after last time, but I almost don't even want to know myself. Not tonight, anyway. I grab the lipstick from Drea's vanity table and the notepad from beside my bed. I flip the notepad open to, the, to a fresh sheet and write the letter M across it in the dark red lipstick, trying my best to make it look smudged, messy, the way it did in my nightmare. I rip the page free of the pad and stuff it into the pocket of my pajamas. Then I lie back on my bed and pull the covers up over my ears to black out under Amber's snoring. But I still feel sick, the juices in my stomach churning away, bubbling like, like molten lava. There's only one way I'm going to get any rest tonight. From my spell drawer, aka the bottom drawer of my dresser, I pull out a stick of incense, a virgin black candle, a razor blade, and some other assorted spell supplies including a bunch of red grapes courtesy of Drea's mini-fridge. I collect it all inside my terracotta pot and stand up to leave, except my head is throbbing. I sit back down and peek over at Amber and Drea. In their bank beds, the light of the waxing moon casting a shadow over Amber on the top bank. She turns over, but she's still snoring. Her mouth arced open, chest heaving, six cherry red ponytails sticking out from her head. Drea moves her forearm up over her ear in response. Her golden blonde hair separated into two perfectly frumbled braids. I wonder if I should even bother telling them anything, if maybe I'm just overreacting. It's only happened twice now. And Morris' birthday is a week from Saturday, so maybe that's what's causing it? Or maybe I'm just coming down with the flu. The terracotta pod tucked under my arm, I grab a pocket flashlight from the drawer and make my way out of the room and through the common area. The door to the boiler room is just out in the lobby. I travel down the dusty wooden steps using the slender beam of the flashlight to guide my way. I know I could flip on the light switch, but the sudden blast of artificial light would only make my head pound more. Instead, I try to make peace with the darkness. I try to imagine it like crushed velvet, enveloping my skin, inviting me further down the creaking stairs and into the boiler room. It smells musty down here, like, like leaking pipes. I try to focus on my breath, but for some reason, I'm feeling a bit disconnected. Maybe it's because I don't feel well, or maybe it's because it's been a year since my last bout of nightmares, and a part of me is afraid that this time, I won't be able to stop it. I take a deep, a deep breath and make my way across the cement floor. There isn't much down here, 
an old and rattling boiler, a rusty water tank, dorm room furniture in need of repair, and lots of copper pipes that travel along the ceiling. But it's a, but it's a place where I can be alone where I don't have to worry about being interrupted or waking anyone up. I set my supplies down on the altar I've set up, an old computer desk with a crack down in the middle, and light the stick of incense. I start with a bunch of grapes. I pass it through the incense smoke, making sure it's, it gets fully bathed in the lavender fumes. I continue charging all, in the, all the ingredients, Concentrating on the long gray swirls that rise up and wash over my skin, focusing on lavender's ability to soothe. My stomach gurgles impatiently. I dab my figure, finger with a bit of the oil and touch the top end of the virgin black candle. As above, I say. Then I touch the bottom, so below. I touch the center drag my finger upward and then run it back down continuing to moisten the candle's length when the candle is fully anointed i hold it around the base and with the razor carve mara's name into the wax surface Fing my finger is shaking slightly from the mere thought of her of what happened of what this all might mean i rotate the candle counterclockwise three times, focusing on the idea of riddance, and carve the words rest in peace on the opposite side from her name, so the guilt will die from my conscience once and for all. I light the candle and watch a few seconds as the inky black wax heats up and begins to pull around the wick. Then I take the slip of paper from my pocket and stare down at the M. M for Mara. For murder, maybe. I really don't know. I toss it into the terracotta pot and then pluck the grapes from their stems. Mara, Mara, rest in peace, I whisper. Mere hunting spirit finally sees. I toss the grapes into the pot mush them down with a thumb and and picture the contents of my stomach churning and mixing as the purple pulp juice mushes against the tips of my fingers i chase the grapes with several splashes of peppermint oil and then mix it all up with my fingers the minty candy scent mingling with the breath of lavender overpowering the smell of grape juice. Mora, Mora, rest at last, I whisper. You shall not make me repeat the past. I chant the words over and over again, concentrating on the black candle as it begins to burn Mora away. I concentrate on the mint coating my smoke, soaking up the grape. After meditating on the spell for several minutes, I hold my watch up to the candlelight. It's 4.05. I'll take the candle back to my room and set it by my bed, so it has time to burn down completely. I smother what's left on the incense 
spoon the mint and grape mixture into a plastic sandwich bag and collect everything inside the pot. Thankfully, I feel my stomach begin to ease. Maybe now, I'll be able to get some sleep. I grab every everything and I'm just about to make my way back upstairs when I hear a banging noise coming from the corner by the water tank. Hello? I stand up, the wheels of my broken chair squeaking back against the cement. I aim the flashlight out, out in front of me, but the beam is too narrow to see much in the darkness. I take a few steps toward the tank, noticing the window just behind it is open a crack. There's a shifting against the floor, like someone's taking a step. Hello? I repeat. Who's there? My hands shake. My heart tightens. I try to tell myself that it's probably just someone who forgot her key. Probably someone who decided to sneak in since the resident director locks the door at midnight. Closer now, the tank is just a few feet away, just out of reach. Come out now, Stacy, says a male voice from behind the tank. Is that you? My mouth trembles open. I don't know that that voice. It's not Chad's voice. Not PJ's either. It doesn't belong to anyone I recognize. Stacy. He repeats. His shadow on the wall moves toward me. I panic. The flashlight tumbles from my grip. The terracotta pot slips from my underarm. And I hear it smash against the floor. I whirl around and run for the stairs. The sudden motion causes the, fl the candle flame to flicker out, leaving me in complete darkness. I can hear him behind me, his feet hitting against the cement floor with each stride. Wait, he shouts. His voice is followed by a clanging sound, like maybe he crashed into something. I trip up the stairs, my chin smacking down against the wooden step wax dripping on my fingers and burning my skin. I grapple my way up on hands and knees toward the boiler room door, but I can't, I can't quite find the knob. Don't run away from me, Stacy. His voice is frantic and insistent. Wrestling up another step, I impale my knee on someone, on something sharp, a nail, a splinter maybe. I hear myself whimper. My stomach turns. Bile coats the inside of my mouth. His footsteps are following me up the stairs. I pull my knee back and, and hear a cracking sound, like wood. I reach out for the doorknob, this time able to wrap my fingers around it. The knob turns but the door won't open, like something is bearing it. Like someone wants to trap me inside. I feel bad to have ended the episode here, but that's really just how the first chapter ends in The White is for Magic. So I'll just do the next chapter soon, as soon as I can, maybe tomorrow or maybe even later. But 
yeah hopefully you'll tune in to the next few chapters of this novel and i'll hear you next time